Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church, and welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us today, wherever you're joining us from. Uh, my name is Bob, and I'm one of the pastors here at ALC. And today, I have the privilege of continuing us in our Christmas series, Let Every Heart. Uh, last week, we heard from Pastor Grant Hickman. Uh, if you missed that one, Pastor Grant is a pastor in the area, and he's been doing some coaching uh, with a lot of our staff in this season. And he had an incredible message on the topic of hope. You know, we looked at Luke chapter one and the angelic birth announcement of John the Baptist to Elizabeth and Zechariah. And today, the title of my message is Let Every Heart Prepare Room for Peace. And so we're gonna be right back there in Luke chapter one. If you have a Bible, go ahead and get that. And uh, today we're going to look at an angelic birth announcement again, this time for none other than baby Jesus. And uh, Pastor Grant, he talked about our series title, Let Every Heart. Our teaching team actually got that phrase from this song, Joy to the World. Uh, there's a phrase in Joy to the World that says, let every heart prepare him room. And together as a team, we kind of realized like that is our hope for Abundant Life Church in this season. And that's our hope really for followers of Jesus right now as we look forward to anticipate Christmas that every heart would be preparing room for Jesus. You know, that we would be preparing him room in our hearts, in, in our minds, in our homes, our physical spaces, that we would be preparing him room in our calendars that we would be actually be setting aside time in this season to make room for Jesus. Our hope is that when Christmas has come and gone, that together we will have celebrated and reflected on Jesus really well. The season won't have just come and gone. And so I want you to think about preparation. Think about things that we prepare for. If you're here and you're watching and you're a student, chances are, uh, even if you're an online school, there are some tests that you have to prepare for. Now, I know we all prepare for tests to like a different degree, but chances are, if you've got a test, you're doing some level of preparation, some level of studying, getting ready. You know, think about when you're going on a trip. Now, I'm actually gonna ask you wherever you're at, even if you're by yourself, that's okay. I want you to put a hand in the air. If when you prepare for a trip, you're like me and the suitcase gets packed either the night before or the morning of, where are my people at? You know, I'm a pretty organized person, so like, don't be scared. This is done well. Like, I've got my list. It's gonna get done, but it's gonna get done the night before or the morning of. Uh, what about you guys put a hand in the air if you're like my wife, where you guys pack like a week before you're ready to go? Where, where are you guys at? You see, I don't understand that because like I have things going on that I want to put in my suitcase, right? If, if I wear a shirt seven days before, I can't now put it in my suitcase. So I, I've, I've got my own system. Please don't make fun of me for that. What about preparing room in your house? When you have people over, I don't know if you remember what it was like to have people over. It's been a while for us, but think about when you prepare your space for people, there's preparation there. I wanna come back to that one, uh, but today we're gonna talk about preparing room in this season for peace. And uh, the word for peace, it's, it's the Hebrew word shalom. I just love that word. I think it has so much weight to that. In Rooted, we talk about poverty, poverty as being the absence of peace. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about peace. So if you're with me in Luke 1, 
Look with me at verse 26 through 28. It was the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy and God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So early in Luke, we're introduced to a few characters. You know, we talked about Elizabeth and Zechariah last week. You know, this couple that had been given word from an angel that they're gonna give birth to a son. And this was supernatural news to them because of their old age. We're not sure exactly how old they were, but old enough that it was supernatural news when people heard it. We talked about the hope that this gave the couple. But there was still some doubt. If you remember from Zechariah, like he's wondering, is this actually gonna happen? Can this truly come to pass? We find out here that it did. Elizabeth is pregnant. She's in her six months of pregnancy here. It's coincidentally the same month of pregnancy my wife is in, which is, contributes nothing other than a fun fact about me. It's the sixth month of pregnancy where God now sends the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel, we're gonna talk about him a little bit later in the series, so I won't say too much, but for now, it's important to note that Gabriel is the same angel that appeared to Zechariah. He's the same angel that's going to appear later to the shepherds. Uh, he's also argued that it's the same angel that appears to Joseph later in a dream. He is this angelic messenger from God, and he's got an important message here for Mary. And so we're introduced to Mary and her fiance, Joseph. Now, it, the text says here that they are engaged, but it's actually something called betrothal in which they're, they're a part of. You know, I know in uh, American culture, uh, we think engagement is pretty important, right? We sing songs like, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. As if that first ring that goes on a woman's finger is of the utmost importance, as if it seals the deal. But we know that it really doesn't, right? You know, as Michael Scott says to his coworker, Jim, when Jim is, is in love with this woman, Pam, but she's engaged to another man, Michael gives Jim this incredible advice. He says, look, Jim, engaged ain't married you still have a chance. And Jim actually goes on to marry Pam. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen much of The Office. You see, in our culture, engagement's a big deal. But in this first century Jewish culture, betrothal, what Mary and Joseph were betrothed, it's a much bigger deal. It's a much bigger level of commitment. You see, to call off a betrothal, you legally had to get a divorce. Or if you were betrothed to someone and they were to pass away, you were legally a widow. You see, this is a much bigger level of commitment. And Mary and Joseph, when we, when we read about them in this story, they were incredibly deeply committed to one another. I think that's important today, but it's also gonna be really important as we continue in this series, as we continue to unpack the Christmas message leading up to Christmas. Remember, when you hear about Mary and Joseph, they had a deep, significant level of commitment to one another. And that's when this angel appears to Mary. And based on what he said right off the bat, our assumption has to be that she's gonna be incredibly excited, right? This, this angel comes from heaven to Mary, says, greetings, woman, you who are highly favored. Of course, she's gonna be stoked. But look at her response in verse 29. 
It says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. We read right off the bat that Mary was concerned. She was disturbed. She was troubled. Yeah, I don't know about you, but think about it. If an angel came up to you and said, greetings, you're highly favored, what would your response be? You know, we, we would assume that she'd be excited, but no, she's terrified. And that's typically the case when it comes to angelic intervention. That's the exact same thing that happened with Zechariah last week. Now, I remember before I started following Jesus, before I even believed in God, as a teenager, I remember praying a prayer, uh, uh, probably a prayer that maybe many of you have prayed. It, it went something like, God, if you're real, would you just show yourself to me? Like, God, if, if you're there, if you can hear me, if you're listening, would you just show yourself to me? What I didn't realize then, but I know now, there's actually a word for that prayer. I was praying for a theophany. I was praying for a literal manifestation of God's presence. But anytime anything like that happens in scripture, even a glimpse of God's presence or, or hear an angelic messenger on behalf of God, anytime that happens, people are terrified. They're scared out of their minds. Luckily, God revealed himself to me in a different way. But not only is this angelic appearance scary to Mary, as he begins to share the message, we, we learn quickly the message itself is very scary. And remember, uh, she is betrothed to Joseph. She is in this deep level of commitment here to Joseph. And now she is being told that she, apart from Joseph, is going to conceive and give birth to a son. I imagine immediately she's thinking, how am I gonna share this with him? Like, what are the next steps here? How does this practically play out? What do I do with this? And so you notice the, the angel's encouragements. I think maybe four of, of the most profound words in the text. The angel says to Mary, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am absolutely convinced that so many of us need to hear those words today. You know, as we talk about preparing room this season for peace, I think we need to internalize the words of the angel as if they were the words from God himself, because they are. That's what an angel is, a messenger from God, and it's God, his message to Mary is, do not be afraid. And so I'd ask you, in this season right now, what are you afraid of in this season? Now, I wanna go back to our preparing room analogy, like preparing a literal room, your, your home when you have people over. Uh, for my wife and I, uh, we have one bathroom in our house right now. So when we have people over, they're using the same bathroom that we get ready in. Uh, it's, it's pretty hectic, right? Well, for me, the bathroom is the messiest place in the whole house. For the work week, I don't like to wake up early. So I'm kind of waking up at the last minute. I'm getting ready as quick as I can. So if we're having people over, preparing room for me literally looks like going and analyzing and addressing what is wrong. 
Like what needs to get picked up? What needs to be addressed before we have people over? And again, for me, it's the bathroom, right? I've got to get my deodorant because it's probably on the bathroom counter. The lid is only the Lord knows where, but it's out. And same thing with my toothpaste. It's like crimpled up at the end because that's how you're supposed to use toothpaste. You like crimple it up. And uh, there's probably a little bit of toothpaste coming out and it's dried on the counter. So I'm going to clean all that up. I'm going to get my clothes uh, that are next to the shower, dirty clothes. I'm going to pick all that up. I'm going to get it ready. Uh, My wife is going to probably be in the kitchen. She loves a clean kitchen when we host. So she's going to get all of that ready. This is what preparing room literally literally looks like. We're analyzing, we're addressing what is wrong, what needs to be fixed. In terms of preparing for peace this season, I, I think it's clear to me that the thing that needs to be addressed is our fear. Our anxiety, what is taking up space in our head that is fighting against peace in our lives? And church, I feel like we all have a lot to choose from. Like, I think there's a lot of fears that collectively we share together in the year that is 2020. I think it's almost cliche to say now that 2020 has brought all of these fears and things to be afraid of, but it's cliche because it's true. There are so many things going on in the world around us that you and I can be fearful of together. But then if we also zoom into the individuality of our own lives, I have things going on right now in my life that are causing me fear and anxiety that you just don't have. And vice versa, you've got things that you're dealing with that are not on my plate. And so when we put all of these things that we can be afraid of, the collective fears are individual fears, the question really arises for me, is peace even possible? Is it possible to experience this deep sense of tranquility, this deep sense that everything is going to be okay, this level of connectedness with God, is peace even possible? I think those few verses we just read, they often get skimmed right over. They get overlooked. Verses 31 through 33. If you've read the Christmas story before, no doubt you've heard them. And so we often just skip right past them. That Mary's gonna give birth to a son. She's gonna name him Jesus. And he is going to reign on the throne of David. You know, Jesus literally means God saves The angel says, do not be afraid. You are going to give birth to a son and you will name him God saves. I don't know anything that can bring more peace than the idea of God saving. And he says to to Mary, and, and he is going to reign on the throne of David. This was a very common thought in Jewish culture that God was going to send a savior and the savior would be an ancestor of David. We read about it in prophetic passages like the one in Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah's writing about this time that's gonna come and and people living in darkness, they will see this great light. And look what he says in verse five. He says, to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. He will be the prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on into forever. This coming king that they all believed in, he was going to be a prince of peace. His kingdom was going to be a kingdom of peace. And this kingdom, once it's established, will never end. 
I don't know if, if you recognize this, but there are a lot of kingdoms around us. Like there's the kingdom of the United States of America, right? It's a pretty great kingdom. If we zoom in though, we've got the kingdom of Oregon and, and Washington for my folks in Vancouver. Uh, big kingdoms, not as big as the US, but still pretty big. But you zoom in more and we've got the kingdoms of local counties. You zoom in even more and we've got the kingdom of our own household. I don't know if you view your household as a kingdom, but it is in each of these kingdoms, they come with a certain degree of power and promises. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus with the full authority of God promises a kingdom of peace. And so if you're wondering, is peace even possible? I would suggest that it exists fully in the kingdom of God. And even though the kingdom of God is not fully here, it's what theologians say, we live in the already but not yet tension. Like the kingdom of God is already here because it, it arrived in Jesus, but it's not yet fully here. But again, it is here, it arrived in Jesus. And I would suggest the more we position ourselves under the authority of Jesus, the more we position ourselves in his kingdom, establish our mindset as one of belonging to his kingdom, the more peace we will experience. The more we position ourselves under his authority, the more peace we will experience. The angel boldly says to Mary, Mary, do not be afraid. God wants to use you in a supernatural way through a supernatural birth to a son, Jesus. Look at her response in, in verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And so Mary has a logistical question here. You know, I sense that Mary is, is on board for what, she, what the angel is saying. Like she's getting past some of the fear, but, but now she, she just wants to logically, like there's some obstacles to overcome here, right? So she asks a follow-up question. It's very similar to Zechariah last week. His initial response to the message from the angel was, was disbelief. It turns out that supernatural news is sometimes pretty difficult to believe. But I, I think whenever God invites us to do something, no matter what that something is, whenever God invites us to participate in something, there are typically logical reasons for us to either not believe it, not believe it's from God, or to simply decline the invitation. We can either not believe the invitation or simply decline it even if we do believe. This, is, this can be for something as small as the invitation to buy a stranger coffee. You know, you're at Starbucks and you kind of get that feeling like, man, I'm really supposed to buy coffee for that person. I think in that moment, we can either not believe it, like God wouldn't ask me to do that. That's really weird. That would strike them off guard. Like that's just, God's not gonna ask me to do that. Or even if we do believe it, we get to the point like, no, God's really, asking me to buy that person coffee, we can, again, there's logical reasons for us to decline the invitation. I, I really gotta go. You know, I don't, I don't have time, for, I'd have to wait back in line. There's just, it doesn't make sense, right? It can be something as small as buying someone coffee or something as big as leading a mission trip to a different country, right? You get this feeling like, oh, maybe God's calling me to do that. But again, we can not believe it for logical reasons. There's no way God would ask me to do that in this season. I've got way too much going on. Or even if we do believe it, again, there's logical reasons to decline the invitation. Yeah, God, I know you want me to do that, but you know, maybe, maybe next year. Again, maybe when my calendar frees up a little bit. I would ask you, do you struggle more with the belief end 
or the courage end? Do you struggle more with believing that God wants to use you and wants you to participate in what he's doing? Or do you often believe that he wants to use you, but you struggle with the courage to actually follow through and do what you feel he's asking you to do? I see Mary here, she's struggling more with the belief, right? I, I sense she's, she's getting over the fear. She wants to be courageous, but she, she just has a logistical question. How can this actually happen? And, and she gets an answer in verse 35 to 37. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the most high will overshadow you. The baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has now conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. How is this possible, Mary said? I think there's two reasons Mary ends up believing. The first reason is because the spirit of the Lord is going to be poured out on her. And one commentator says that this is reminiscent of another passage in Isaiah, this time Isaiah 32, where Isaiah is again speaking of a time that's to come. And he's talking about all these things that are going wrong. But in verse 15, the spirit of the Lord will be poured out from on high. The desert becomes a fertile field. The fertile field seems like a forest. In other words, what was empty and void and lifeless will suddenly begin to flourish. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness will live in the fertile field. And the fruit of that righteousness, like why will all of this happen? The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. I think she believes it's possible because the spirit of the Lord is going to be poured out. The spirit of God is going to work and do something supernatural. I think she also believes it's, uh, it's, it's going to happen because again, Elizabeth is pregnant. The angel just shared that news with her. And so I imagine now she's thinking, man, if Elizabeth can be pregnant in her old age, and even though everyone thought that she couldn't have kids, then yeah, if, if God can do that, surely he can do this too. Have you ever had moments like that in your life. Like for me, if that happened, then sure, yeah, God could do anything. You know, I, I said, I prayed, I prayed for a long time, God, uh, show yourself to me. He didn't do that, but he did reveal himself to me through moments like this, where I looked and I, I said, man, if God, if you could do that, then, then surely you can work in my life too. I've had people tell me who knew me before I, I started following Jesus and they've seen my life now. I've had people tell me that my life now is an example to them that with God, anything is possible. And I, I'd have to agree. What is it for you? Mary's being given supernatural news here and, and she believes it to be true in part because of the way that God has worked in someone else's life, because of what God is doing in Elizabeth. But I would say what happens next is so important. Like here, Mary has believed that the supernatural occurrence is possible. She's believed that, that God is inviting her into the story. But step two is how is she gonna respond? What will her answer be? Will she say yes to be used by God? If you know the Christmas story, obviously you may have guessed it in verse 38. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary with this boldness and courage says, yeah, let it be done. I will be a willing participant in the inbreaking kingdom of God which for me begs a question, uh, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? 
I don't know if, if this question keeps you up at night, uh, but for me, it's, it's a pretty profound question. I don't know what your creation theory is. Um, for me, I believe that God created the world. Not sure exactly how, uh, but I believe God created the world. A question I ask though, is when God created the chicken, did he create an egg that hatched and it was a chicken and then that chicken now lays eggs and so on and so forth? Or was the first chicken ever an actual chicken that laid an egg and so on and so forth. It's a weird question, I know. But in, in terms of this story, I think there's a, a very similar question. What comes first? Is it peace or is it courage? What comes first? Is it peace or is it courage? I think it's often assumed that if everything in my life is peaceful, then I'll be courageous, right? If I'm at peace with a large amount of money in the bank, then I'll have the courage to be generous. Or, or if I'm at peace with, with just a little bit of stuff on my calendar, well, then I'll be courageous and I'll go and I'll join that life group or I'll go serve on that trip. You know, if I'm at peace and, and there's not many issues going on in my life, then I'll be courageous and I'll step out in faith and I'll come alongside of someone else and, and their issues. Yeah, I, I think it's assumed that peace comes first and then courage. Or does it take a momentary decision of courage that leads to peace? Mary here, she is fearful. She is overwhelmed. But the angel says, don't be afraid. He extends to her an invitation from God himself to participate in the story. She courageously accepts, and it ultimately becomes the story of peace incarnate. We, we can only sing the song Silent Night in all of its peacefulness after Mary said yes with courage. You see, I think that peace is often on the other side of courage. I, I think peace is often the result of a courageous decision to say yes to being used by God. And so as you prepare room this season for peace, I would ask you as you think through that list of fears and where are you anxious, I would ask you a, a follow-up question to your list. Where is courage needed in your life right now? How can you courageously respond to those fears? In the next section, Mary uh, has a conversation with Elizabeth and Elizabeth is just giving her all sorts of encouragement. And she closes with this line in verse 45. Elizabeth says to Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said he would do. You know, what an example we have from Mary. What a, what a courageous, bold example. She believed that the, that the Lord was capable of this supernatural intervention. And when given the choice, she agreed to be used by him. And she chose participation over panic. And this is not going to be an easy road by any, any means. If you know the rest of the story, there will be difficult times ahead. This isn't blind optimism. But we read in Philippians 2 that she is going to have this peace that transcends human understanding. And, and this peace will guide her along in the journey. Church, I, I fully believe today that you and I are given opportunities from God to participate in what he's doing all around us. Yeah, and I think like Mary, 
we too have a choice when that comes up. If, if we can see it and if we can believe it that God is inviting us in, then we have a choice. Will we choose to participate? In church, I think the answer oftentimes for most of us, most of us, myself included, is no. And, and, and church, please hear my heart here uh, because I've heard that kind of phrase used like, man, God wants to use you and he keeps saying no. I've, I've heard that used with like this guilt-inducing undertone and I think that's not it at all. You know, I, I've heard people say like, oh, you should have said yes to God. Oh, God's so upset with you that you didn't do that thing. Why would you ever say no to God? I don't think that's it at all. I don't think God is like this vindictive parent up in heaven saying, oh man, I told you so. Oh, you, you didn't do what I said and, and look how that worked. I don't think God's doing that at all. You know, I think when we miss invitations to participate in what God is doing, that God grieves those things. You know, I don't think God is, is saying, I'm mad at you for missing that. I think God is saying, like, I'm sad with you. I'm alongside of you. I'm in it with you, next to you. I'm hurt for you. I think God is with us in the sadness because it is a thrill to participate in what God is doing. And as we see in Mary, it leads to peace. So church, please hear me. I don't want you to feel guilty about past missed opportunities where you felt like God was inviting you to participate and you said no. I don't want you to feel guilty about that. I want you to be excited and vigilant and expectant for the future opportunities that God is going to invite you into the story, that he is going to open up doors for you to participate in what he's doing. I want you to be aware of them and I want you to have the courage to say yes when they come. And that ultimately we would have the same peace as we participate in what God is doing, the peace that is rooted in Jesus. And so as I close, the, the next nine verses, I, I think are incredibly profound. It's called Mary's Song. It's found in Luke 1, 46 through 55. I wanna encourage each and every one of you, if you have time this week, read through it. It's this Mary song of praise to God. As, as she chooses to step into the story, uh, she says these, these beautiful, amazing words. And so read it on your own this week if you have time. But what I've done, how I wanna close this morning is to pray a prayer over you, a prayer of blessing that I took directly from Mary's song. And so church, if you'll allow me to, I'd love to pray this over you. And as I do, I would invite you, if you feel comfortable, to actually take a posture, wherever you're at, of receiving. Uh, it just looks like putting your arms out in front of you with open palms. And it's just this posture that says, God, I wanna receive from you. If you feel comfortable, I invite you to do that as I pray. But I wanna pray this prayer of, of blessing, again, directly from Mary's song over you. So church, would you pray with me? God, I pray that those listening right now in this moment, that they would rejoice in you. God, will they glorify your name as they intentionally step into your story. God, I pray that future generations will look back on their story, on their life in this moment as it's unfolding right now. And God, I pray that future generations would see your hand upon them as they step into your story. God, may your mercy extend to them. May you fill them up with good things this season. God, above all, I pray, will you extend to them 
a peace that surpasses understanding. God, a peace that goes beyond circumstances as they, as they participate in what you're doing in the world around them. God, that ultimately as they participate with you, that they would draw closer and closer to you. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray, amen.